Welcome to Mercy Street Church Podcast. My name is Jerry Wagner, founder and lead pastor of Mercy Street Church in Dallas, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast. Our desire is to unleash healthy disciple makers in West Dallas to reach the world. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing to listen to new messages every week. Have a God-filled day. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, that we did not love God, but that he loved us first and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love towards us and sent his son to die on the cross. In other words, he didn't wait for you to get right. He didn't wait for you to love him back. He put his son on the cross on credit, hoping that you would change your life and come to him and be reconciled to a holy God, that you may be his people and he will be your God and you may dwell with one another forever. That's why we love him, because he loved us first. Come on now. This is Resurrection Sunday. Make some noise in this place. See, when you done had a heart transplant, it doesn't take much to get you excited about the donor. When you have been delivered from the, the hands of darkness, it doesn't take much to, to proclaim the name of Jesus in the light. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? Because it is a salvation from the Lord to Jews first and then to Gentiles like me. You may be seated in the presence of God. I'm sorry, I get excited on Resurrection Sunday. I even put on a suit jacket today, boy. Hey, I couldn't fit this four years ago. Watch this. Watch this. Let me go and button that up. Let me go and button that up. I ain't trying to brag. I ain't trying to brag. God's been good to me. God's been good to me. <laughs> Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 35, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. If you do not have a Bible, there's a Bible under the seat in front of you. Please take that Bible. It is a gift to us. Um, and if you don't know how to read the Bible, don't worry about that. Come and see me afterwards. And I'll show you how to read this Bible. Amen. Also, I got to do a quick announcement. Hey, if you can scoot in, you know, just to give more seats as people are coming in. If you can move and scoot in, please do that and let the edges kind of be on the end so that we can seat people properly. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 21, and it reads, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 
10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered to him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he shall pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what he had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they reported to their masters all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly father would do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Whew. It's Easter Sunday, right? And on Easter Sunday, you're supposed to make people feel good, right? I'm sorry. I'm going to say it in advance. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to see you come to a saving faith in Jesus. And so today I want to start with a couple of questions and also some crowd participation, all right? I'm going to ask some questions. They are interrogative questions, and I do need you to respond, all right? Just follow my direction. Has anyone here ever hurt or offended someone deeply? If so, just nod your head. Okay. Okay. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me ask another one. Has anyone ever received forgiveness from someone you hurt? If so, nod your head. I see a lot of heads moving. All right. Let me ask this. Is that person you hurt or offended sitting in this room right next to you right now? <laughs> don't, don't nod your head. Just blink. Just blink. Some of y'all already got in trouble. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, you still haven't forgiven. Okay. The reason why I ask those questions, it is safe to say that all of us have offended someone or needed forgiveness from someone who hurt us. We can all agree on that. Amen? Well, I got one more question. How many of us reciprocate that forgiveness when someone hurts us personally. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't see nobody move that time. <laughs> they was like, ooh, get out of my pocket, Jerry. I asked my family the same question. How many of us reciprocate forgiveness when someone hurts us personally? And one of my daughters said, selectively. There's the problem. The problem is, oftentimes we are quick to receive and quick to seek forgiveness, but when it's time for us to give it and reciprocate it, 
we are slow to move. See, oftentimes when it's us on the chopping block, we plead with the person to forgive us. But what about when you hurt someone or when someone hurts you? Are you quick to forgive or are you still waiting on them to stool in their unforgiveness? This is what the Bible calls unforgiveness. The unwillingness to release someone from the debt or hurt that you feel they owe you. And it's funny because when I think about this, because, you know, I'm putting myself in that position. One of my faults is if you hurt me, I am not quick to forgive you. And that is not a good attribute to have when you are a pastor. Because you get hurt all the time. You get text messages, emails, people coming in your face. And I can't do nothing but sit there and be like, well, you know, Jesus loves you. No, that's not what I do. That's not what I do at all. (laughs) That's not what I do at all. So if we understand the benefit of giving people forgiveness, if we understand the benefit of forgiving those who hurt us, my question oftentimes is, then why are we holding on to grudges? If we understand the benefit of it, then why are we continuously keeping people captive and in prison with the thing that they have hurt us with? Some people might say to that question, well, Jerry, one reason I hold on to it is because they have deeply hurt me and they, don't, and they do not deserve to be forgiven. Anybody ever said that before? Another person might say this. The fear of them getting away with what they did to me is unforgivable. Therefore, I'm not willing to release them. Here's my last one. If I forgive them, Jerry, then I am sending the wrong message that what happened to me was okay. That's why I don't forgive. That's why I'm not quick to do it. Because, Jerry, they're going to get away with what they did to me. And the problem with those emotions is, one, they are real. They are real that there is a great debt that the person who hurts you owes you. But the problem is, that type of posture is not a biblical model of what Jesus says about forgiveness. In fact, For those who have been forgiven, when you are unwilling to forgive, you make a mockery of what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he sacrificed himself so that you might be saved. It's a slap in the face. I was thinking about how can I give you a a clear picture of this, and I'm going to use myself. I, I, I was going down 183. And I got a flat tire on the side of the road. I had the spare tire. I had the lug nut to take the bolts off, but I didn't have a jack. This person who was going down the highway stopped, backed up, got out of the car, did not speak no English, and was like, you need help? And I'm like, yeah, what, que paso, right, uh, tire flat, I, you know. 
I was trying. I tried. Everything I had. Tired. Que paso? <laughs> this is my brother. He pulled out the jack, jacked up the car. I didn't even need to help. Took off the lugs. Quick as all of get out. Changed my tire. Said, good job. And, and left. <laughs> I was like, thanks, bro. <laughs> Gracias. That's like, I know what to do. The next day, I was driving down the highway, saw a person on the side of the road. What do you think I did? I kept driving. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Dang. Wow. There ain't no grace in this audience. <laughs> I thought you knew me better, Diamond. What's up with that? But see, right, I, I kept driving. But isn't that how we treat forgiveness? We can receive it, but when it's time for us to give it, we drive on by. We drive on by. And Jesus says when you do that, especially when you have been forgiven, he says you make a mockery of what I have done for you on the cross. And some of you might say, I'm not even saved, um, Jerry, but he died for you anyway. So the proposition today is simple. Forgive because you have been forgiven. That's what I think he's saying in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. He says, the reason why I can ask you to forgive is because I have given forgiveness to you. And it is not biblical or appropriate or even Christ-like to refuse to forgive someone when you have been forgiven for so much. And so when we enter into the text, the first thing I want you to know today is forgive with no limits. Forgive with no limits. When you enter into verse 21, Jesus has just finished um, teaching a three-step process of how his disciples ought to respond if your brother sin against you. Watch this. He says, when someone sins against you, the first thing I want you to do is go to them in a private conversation. In fact, in verse 15, it literally says, go and tell your brother his fault. You know why some of us are not walking in forgiveness? Because we tell everybody else what's wrong as opposed to the person who hurts you. The Bible says go to that person and tell him or her that they have hurt you or offended you. The Bible continues to go on to say if they do not respond, I want you to take a private mediator so that they may establish truth. Like sometimes you need to bring people involved in, in, in the mess. That's why counseling is a good thing. I know some of us like, oh, I, don't, I don't need counseling. I don't need nobody shrinking my head. Well, your relationship is shrinking because you ain't doing nothing about it. <laughs> people are like, oh, Jerry, that. I believe in counseling. When Tamara and I, on our 10th year um, anniversary, we was like, you know what? Let's do a marriage checkup. Let's go to counseling. I did not like what the counselor said. Did not like it. I'm like, bro, I've been married for a decade. How are you going to tell me what to do? And then Tamara was over there like, hmm. 
You need some mediators sometimes, okay? And he said, if they do not respond to the mediation, then he says, I'm going to take you out of the equation altogether, and they're going to enter into public dismissal. Now the spiritual family is involved. See, the purpose of forgiveness is not to lose, but the Bible says to win a brother. See, oftentimes we think if we forgive, we're going to lose something. But Jesus says if you forgive, you're going to gain something. And that something that you're going to gain is that brother or that sister who has hurt you. Come on, man. Remember the benefit of Jesus um, forgiving you. Remember the benefit of your spouse forgiving you. Remember the benefit of your roommate forgiving you. It was a release. You didn't lose. Watch this. You won. The problem is oftentimes, instead of us seeking the winning of a brother, we hold on to it. One person said it like this, unforgiveness is like you personally eating rat poisoning, but expecting the rat to die. Yeah, you like that, right? Like you, you, you are putting all this pressure and weight on you of not forgiving the person and all the while you're expecting what? Them to change. And Jesus says, Change only comes when you forgive them. Jerry, but you don't know how much they have hurt me. I know. But the reality is, what did Jesus say? And so Peter heard this teaching. And so what Peter did, he respectfully confronts Jesus and asks him some questions about what he had just taught. Notice in verse 21, he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Watch this. Why is Peter asking that question? Right. Why is Peter, not only did he ask one question, but he gave what we call a statement question in the second one. As many as seven times? The reason why Peter is asking that question is because he wants to know the limits of his forgiveness. The reason why Peter is asking those questions is because he wants to know the boundaries by which he ought to forgive. The phrase, how often and as many are limit markers. Peter is literally saying, as many as, but not more than, will I forgive. Isn't that what we do? We want to know what the limits are on our forgiveness. In fact, we put categories of what we will forgive and what we will not forgive. Why do we ask such questions when it comes to forgiveness? I tell you why. The first reason is you want to put the parameters on how you will forgive and what you will forgive. The second reason why I think we do this is because we want to guard our hearts against experiencing the pain that someone else caused us. And lastly, the reason why we do this is because we want to seek retribution or revenge. We want justice for the person who hurt us. How can I illustrate this? 
most of you all know who J. Cole is, right? right? J. Cole, he got skills, right? J. Cole wrote a song called No Role Models. And this is his view on forgiveness. He says, fool me one time, shame on you. Fool me twice, can't put the blame on you. Fool me three times, forget the peace signs, which he didn't say that. Okay, that's all right. Forget, I, hey, this radio. Forget the peace sign. <laughs> Load the chopper, which is a gun for those who don't know. Let it rain on you. When I read those lyrics, I can't help but to wonder that oftentimes our forgiveness looks more like J. Cole's lyrics than Jesus. Oftentimes, our forgiveness looks more like this violent reaction, whether physical or emotional, than the mercy that Jesus Christ has extended to us. Forgive with no limits. Jesus responds to Peter. And he's very emphatic with how he responds to Peter. He says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. In other words, if you look at the passage closely, Jesus is repeating himself when he says, I do not say. It is a statement that Jesus used when he was preaching on the mountain about the moral code, or what we oftentimes say, the beatitudes of the kingdom in chapter 5. Six times in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you have heard, but I have said. You have heard, but what I have said. In other words, Peter, you have heard through rabbinical teaching or your own Old Testament interpretation that there are limits on forgiveness. But what do I say? See, here's the problem. Oftentimes, the reason why we're not flourishing in forgiveness is because we are operating on what we have heard. We are operating on what we think is right as opposed to what Jesus Christ himself has said. It's funny because, like I said, I struggle with forgiveness when people hurt me. And the reason why I, I, I struggle with that, because I have been told things like, you can forgive them, but don't forget. You ever heard that before? Forgive them, but don't forget. One person once said, said to me, Jerry, if you forgive them, Jerry, what you are really doing is saying that everything that they do is okay, and you go let them off the hook. I was faced with this about four years ago. For 22 years, there was a man who hurt me. For 22 years, there was a man who hurt me. He hurt me so bad that one day, he sent my older brother a birthday card. And in the birthday card, it said, happy birthday, Jerry. Or um, um, Otto, that's my older brother. Happy birthday, Otto. Leon, that, that's what we call him. I will be at your birthday party. Me and my older brother sat on a step until the stars came out. And guess what? He never showed up. In that moment, I said, I will never allow someone to hurt me like that again. 
That person was my father. I met him when I was 22. In fact, I met him, I heard him when I was 18. It was at my high school graduation. And I heard this voice from the audience say, Jerry Wagner, your father made it to your graduation. If I was next to him, it would have been a misunderstanding. Then I seen him again at 22. And I was mad. The problem is I had been changed by the gospel. I had been changed by Jesus Christ. I had been changed by this God who loved me. And then he died four years ago. Guess who did the eulogy? I did. They called and said, Jerry, he doesn't have a pastor or whatever. Can you please go do this eulogy for your father? And I said, at first, I was like, uh-uh, no. I, what, what am I going to say? My wife was saying, Jerry, go do this. Please go do this. I said, baby, the only thing I've ever experienced with this man is pain and forgiveness. Pain and forgiveness. And then the spirit brought to my um, remembrance you know what pain and forgiveness started? At the cross. Man, I went in that church, man. I tore the whole place up. I had, dude, I ain't even studied for it. I had real thugs coming up to me like, bruh, 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 uh, bruh. I, like real thugs. Like, let me put my gun away, bruh. <laughs> because we know the benefits of giving someone forgiveness when they have hurt us. What did Jesus say about this situation? He uses this idiom 77 times. This is an idiom, not a number that can be multiplied, but an expression that can't be calculated. In other words, if you literally wanted to translate this, it would literally say 70 times 7. The point Jesus is trying to make is that there are no limits on forgiveness. There are no limits on forgiveness. Why does Jesus take Peter all the way back to the mountain? For two reasons. The first reason is so that Peter may know that he has the authority to forgive sin. See, when you're walking through the difficulties of forgiveness, the first person that you got to look at is Jesus. But the second thing he did was pointing back to the scriptures. What does the Bible tell you to do about forgiveness? And once you know the truth, the Bible is telling you to apply what you know. See, knowledge without application is not wisdom. It's just a lot of information. But wisdom, when it's applied shows off the characteristics of you being a kingdom child. Sometimes, man, my wife gets mad at me because she's saying, Jerry, you are listening to me, but you have not heard me. Come on, don't leave me out there by myself, husbands. <laughs> you see the husband's like, oh, Jerry. And don't let somebody else say the same thing she said, and then I respond. She'd be like, oh. Also, you are listening to them, but you won't listen to me. I'm like, but baby, Jesus said it, though. Jesus said it. It's right here. He said it. You can't get mad at Jesus, can you? 
The Bible says he pointed him there. Why? So that when you're in this difficulty of forgiveness, the person you run to is Jesus. How can Jesus ask of us, especially those who are followers, to forgive with no limits? I tell you why. Because he has forgiven us. Forgive because you have been forgiven. Watch this. I'm going to use this line a couple of times. When unlimited forgiveness is experienced, then unlimited forgiveness is expected. When unlimited forgiveness is experienced, then unlimited forgiveness is expected of you. Jesus points us back to the kingdom of heaven in verse 22. He says, for the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king. And this king is seeking to settle his accounts with those who have hurt him. See, the reason why Jesus can command kingdom people to forgive because it is a sign and a characteristic that you belong to him. All right, let, let me illustrate this one. The first thing that you need to look at, well, let me say this one because I, I didn't want to say this. This isn't a part of the sermon, but I, I want to notice in verse 24. It says, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Notice, he passively was brought to him, but did not actively come. Oh, yeah, yeah, I missed that one. When someone hurts you, oftentimes you will be the initiator to bring that to them. They're not just going to come to you and say, I messed up. More often than not, you are going to have to take yourself to them and say, you have hurt me. Stop holding people responsible for things you haven't told them. Stop holding them responsible for them not being able to read your mind. All they keep seeing is you huffing and puffing. <clears throat> no, say something. What's wrong? I tell Tamara that all the time. I I'm not Jesus. I can't read your mind. You should be more observant. I'm like, come on, write it down. Help a brother out. HBO, help a brother out. I messed up. <laughs> I messed up. Help me. Please, help me. <laughs> I, I had to censor that one just like J. Cole. I had to censor that one just like J. Cole. I need help sometime. We need help sometime. So go to the person. But watch this. The first thing I think you need to look at in this passage is the debt that is owed, right? The debt that is owed, the Bible says in verse 24, is that he owes him 10,000 talents, all right? Be patient with me here. Talents refer to the amount of weight a soldier could carry on his back. It literally refers to 75 or 100 pounds of gold, all right? 10,000 was the highest single number that can be expressed in the Greek numeric system. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but I tried to do some math here to see how much this brother owed his master, all right? To all my math teachers in here, do not check my math. Just let me use that as an illustration, all right? All right, watch this. 
if we multiply $1,000, which is oftentimes the value of gold, times 16 ounces of pound, times 75 pounds, times 10,000 talents, that would be equivalent to $12 billion today. Don't check my math. 19.6, 9.6 billion. Somebody said that's correct. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, the square root of is 81, okay? <laughs> the point that he's trying to make is this. This man's amount of debt cannot be paid off in his lifetime. It cannot be paid off in his lifetime. And so it is justifiable that the master would throw him in jail, but that's not what the master did. What the master did was have patience and have mercy on him. In fact, in verse 26 it says, the master was moved with such compassion that he released and forgave him his debt. Now that's forgiveness. Forgiveness is freely and fully counseling out someone's debt that they owe you. Forgiveness is freely and fully releasing someone from the debt that you feel they owe you. You want to know if you've truly forgiven someone? When they come around you, it doesn't affect you. You want to know if you truly have forgiven someone? Every time they do something, you don't bring that back up. See, oftentimes, we're not forgiving people. We are forgiving people with limits. I forgive you as long as you don't do that no more. I forgive you as long as you don't do this anymore. No, the master just forgave this man completely and fully a $12 billion debt. Likewise, in the same way, that the master forgave this person is the same way Jesus Christ has forgiven us. This enormous spiritual debt that we owe Christ, he was willing to pay for it way before you ever was willing to accept it. Okay, let me make this plain. I'm about to turn 40. All right, in December I'm about to turn 40. If I have lived 40 years on this life, I'm going to try to do math again, that means I have lived 14,600 days on the earth. That means I have consumed 350,400 hours. How many sins do you suppose I have committed in that time? Somebody said a lot. Let's just say for the sake, I commit at least two sins per hour. Over a 40-year span. Some of y'all older than me. And you don't commit it more than that. Some of y'all are younger than me. And you be like, Jerry, I didn't do more than that. I, I got 10 to 12 at least and since I've been sitting here in church. That's why I came. I came to Easter Sunday because my debt. Okay. The bookies were after me, or at least the spiritual bookies. In other words, the debt of sin is incalculable. The debt of sin that we owe God it's overwhelming. That's why God gets mad when we choose not to forgive the little things that people do to us 
when he has forgiven the enormous thing that we have did to him. And the Bible says, when the son sets you free, watch this, you are free indeed. That's the second part of this parable. See, the second part of this parable is us and how we respond when it's time for us to forgive. See, this this forgiven servant went out, and I love what the text says. It says that he found or he discovered. Now, I can't prove it, but I'm wondering, did he go out and try to find people who owed him money? Isn't that what we do? We want to make sure we inflict pain on the people that have hurt us, but when it's time for us, oh, no quarters. No quarters. And so the Bible says that this man found one of his servants that owed him a hundred denarii. That's just a hundred days of work. That's it. And I love this Greek word that he uses is karateo nigo. Karateo nigo. I just wanted to say it because it sounds like a karate move in MMA that when he saw the man, the Bible says he literally started to choke him. He, he, he put him in a guillotine. He, he, he muscled him. He did what Terrence Crawford did to the boy last night. Knocked him out in the uh, first round. He couldn't even finish. <laughs> Y'all didn't see that fight? Okay. All right. No boxes in here. No fighters in here. But the issue here is, instead of seeking the opportunity to show mercy, he, seek, he sought out the opportunity to be violent. Anytime you refuse to forgive someone when you have been given the opportunity to show mercy, not only are you showing off violent tendencies, but what you are doing is showing yourself to be wicked and ungrateful. Hold on, Jerry, how you going to say that to me? That's what the master said to him. When the master heard about what this person had done, he literally says, you wicked servant. Why did he call him a wicked servant? He says, because when I forgave you and you were in a position to forgive, you did nothing. And that's what makes us wicked. When we are uh, put in a position to forgive the people who hurt us, even though we had experienced forgiveness, but we sit back and be like, nah, I'm not going to give that to you. You know what happens when you don't forgive people? You think you're putting them in prison, but the reality, you're imprisoning yourself. See, forgiveness is for you to give. Forgiveness is for you to take the weight of that debt and hand it over. So if you put another person in prison because you are not willing to forgive them, you might as well have another cell for yourself. He said, you wicked servant, you ungrateful servant, I have shown you great mercy, and yet you have not done it. Why can he ask for these certain things? Because unlimited forgiveness experience requires unlimited forgiveness expected. So, last point. Now, Jesus never asks us to do anything that he doesn't model, right? Jesus has never asked us to do anything that he himself hasn't modeled. Watch this. In the final hours of Jesus' life, according to Luke chapter 23, as he hung on the cross between two um, criminals, 
Luke says that he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The final words of Jesus Christ on the cross was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Watch this. Even in agony and pain, Jesus was concerned with the forgiveness of his enemies. He asked the Father to forgive the thieves on the cross who made a mockery of him. He asked the Father to forgive the Roman soldier who mocked him, who spit on him, who beat him, who yanked his, his beard out, who whipped him, who put a crown of thorns on his head and nailed him to the cross. And Jesus was up there going through all of that and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Likewise, Jesus is asking the Father on each one of our behalves to forgive us our, these broken image bearers of God. When you have lied, when you have cheated, when you have rejected God, when you have done heinous things. It is Jesus Christ, the Bible says, who's sitting on the right hand of the Father interceding on your behalf. When Jesus Christ died, he died for our past, present, and future sins. He died for what you did in the past. He died for what you're doing right now. He even died for things that you ain't even thought that you were going to do, but they're on the table of you doing it. Why? Because he wanted to demonstrate his love towards you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why can our Savior ask us to forgive? Because he has forgiven you. See, some of you say, Jerry, I'm not even a follower of Jesus. Uh, how can you hold me accountable for, 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 for walking in forgiveness when Jesus hasn't forgiven me? Watch this. Just because you don't accept forgiveness doesn't mean it hasn't been offered. I got a good, I got a good story for you. There was a man who was locked up in prison um, falsely. And the president of the United States pardoned him. The problem is when the pardon came forward, the man rejected the pardon. No one had ever done this before. And so it was such a big deal that they took it all the way to the Supreme Court. When they took it before the Supreme Court, the judge says a pardon is only effective if the one who is being a part um, pardoned accepts it. Ah, oh, somebody got that. Just because you haven't accepted the parting of Jesus Christ on the cross doesn't mean he hasn't been forgiving you all this time. Watch this. Half of you all have breath in your body. You know why? Because God is giving you the grace to respond to his truth. See, some of you all woke up this morning. It was not the alarm clock that woke you up. It was the one who breathed nephesh into your body, causing you to be a living soul. And because he is the one who created you, he is the one who has extended his grace even when you don't deserve it. Forgiveness is on the table. Forgiveness is being offered. Now what are you going to do with it? So as we bring the worship team back on the stage. I don't want anyone in this place to leave if you are not a follower of Jesus. 
If there's anyone here who has not put their faith alone and Christ alone, don't worry about what you are wearing. Don't worry about what you did last night. Don't worry about all the different things. Jesus says, I'll cover that. You just come to me. See, Jesus, all he cares about is the fish being caught. What he will do is clean the fish once we give them over to him. Some of you are sitting here like, man, I need to be clean. Jesus says, I have the cleaning product. I have the blood that I shed on Calvary's cross, and it will wash you and make you white as snow. And so if you look to the sides of us, you're going to see people on the side in a position ready to pray for you, ready to share the good news with you. And maybe you are a follower of Jesus and you are walking in unforgiveness. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some time and I want you to write down the name of the person that you need to forgive. And then I want you to pray to God. And say, God, please give me the power and the heart to go forgive the brother or sister that I have hurt. And if you need somebody to pray with you to help you navigate through this, there are brothers and sisters standing on the side ready to pray for you. Jesus calls us to forgive. Why? Because we have been forgiven. Give God some glory. Thank you again for listening to Mercy Street Church Podcast. Until we meet again, Shalom.